0: Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. This is another edition of the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie. I'm Monty. And together, we are going to cover the world of sports. But Ernie, relatively speaking, a quiet week in sports this week. Not a lot going on locally. Not a lot going on other than the All-Star Game in the NBA. Of course, the NFL season ended last week. We'll talk about the tragedy in Kansas City in a little bit. So today we're going to just have fun speculating, talking story about things that are going on. But let's cover real quickly what did happen in UH sports this week. Uh, The men go on the road, win one easily against Cal Poly. Had Santa Barbara on the ropes on Saturday night. But Santa Barbara does come back and prevail 77-71 in what I would deem a good loss for the men. Um, So they go one and one. Snapping their three-game winning streak, but I still like the way they're playing as they come back home for Long Beach State next week, Saturday. So, that was the men. The women had their most attended game at the Beeman Bash last night. A heavily publicized effort to get a crowd out there for the Wahine. And they had their biggest crowd ever with over 4,000 people there last night to watch them win um, as they continue to lead the Big West with a 12-3 and record. So congratulations to the success of the Beeman Bash uh, and the men 1-1 still playing well, coming back home in the thick of the Big West race to get into the tournament. And I'm assuming
1: when you're saying they played, it was a good loss that the ball is still moving because I didn't watch the game. So is, is that basically what's happening?
0: Well, I, I think they were up nine at the half, but at down the stretch, I think what, what hurt is they're still moving the ball, but they made some mistakes down the stretch, but they're shooting still nine of 17 from three. They were 14 of 16 from the line. They shot very efficiently and the ball does continue to move. Not like quite what it was. When they scored 94 points right. in Hawaii last week, um, but Santa Barbara is a different animal from who they played in, in terms of physicality. But the ball is still moving; they're getting high sh- percentage shots, and they're getting scoring from all over the place. Last night's le- leading scorer was uh, was Beatty with 15 points. If you're not following the, the the Warriors closely, you may not even recognize the name Beatty. Uh, but he led them with 15 points. The last game, it was Rap that chipped in with 15 points they're getting scoring from a lot of different places and I think that's always that's, a good sign that's, that's definitely good yeah, yeah. where you, somebody different is stepping up because if you're solely relying on what used to be f- that stretch when they weren't playing well McClanahan and Noel Coleman when they go cold we get blown out and so now uh, Justin McCoy has been playing really well for the last couple of weeks. So everyone is contributing. And I believe that's a good thing. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited to see what happens next week, Saturday back at the Stan sheriff against long beach state, always a high intensity game, uh, here. So, We'll see. But let's talk a little bit about the NBA before we get to All-Star Weekend and the defensive struggle that was the NBA All-Star Game that just ended. (laughs) I think the big news for me this week was when news came out that the Warriors had attempted to get LeBron and pry LeBron away from the Lakers uh, during the the trade deadline with no success. I mean, the Lakers had no interest, and apparently LeBron had no interest, which was a little surprising um, because he's always – fancied himself about playing with Steph Curry. He's tight with Draymond Green. Um, He's still within the state of California. But I think no matter what LeBron says and trying to manipulate the Lakers or any team that he's on in terms of controlling the narrative. I think he's happy in la right now his business is booming he's worth over a a billion dollars his movie studio is doing well his other things are doing well he has one son at usc another son at sierra canyon the wife loves being in la there really is no reason to try to go into another city because even if he were to catch jordan with six rings which i don't think he's gonna do no matter where he goes unless he goes to Denver or Boston. Um, those that don't like LeBron or MJ fans are always going to point to the fact that LeBron lost six times. So even if he goes six and six, he's still not going to be six and zero oh, like right. like Jordan was. Right. So he really can't catch Jordan in the eyes of those that believe Jordan is the goat. Um, So I think at this point in time, as a family man with kids that are in school, both at college and high school and in middle school, um, and a business that is turning into like a mogul status, I think he's comfortable in L.A., but we were talking about this off the air. The only thing that possibly could change that is if Bronny comes out and the Lakers refuse to draft him as they should. I think the NBA should refuse to draft him at this point in time. And that's no slight at, at Bronny. Bronny survived a near death experience. Um, but he is not ready for the NBA. No. There's, I, I had questions even before the heart, if he was an NBA player, cause he's not his dad. He's six, three, you know, he's not a six, nine specimen like LeBron with unbelievable size, strength, and speed. Um, he's not that. And, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on him. If the only reason he goes to the NBA is because his dad says to draft him, I wouldn't want that pressure, Uh, you know, as only being around because of my dad. Uh, I I wouldn't want that because I know my dad's a billionaire anyway, so I don't need to play in the NBA. But that that's just my thought. What was your thought when you heard that LeBron, uh, the Warriors, trying to get him? Yeah, I heard that, and I also heard another East team. I think, well, I think it was the Philadelphia 76ers. For- I know that they had wanted him last year, and they had wanted him when he was a free agent. There's always been that narrative about about Philadelphia. Um, But without Joel Embiid, they ain't going nowhere, even with LeBron. Right. It would require all hands on deck. Right. But I'm I'm
1: kind of thinking this might be for future references. Like you said, I mean, uh, the only thing to pry away uh, LeBron James from that LA market would be, you know, a team drafting his son. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, whether it be for talent reasons or not, you know, that is the carrot that's dangling in front of his face right now. Uh, you know, just to have that that you know play with uh, play with your son, especially when you you know you think you you're you're uh, you know in the twilight of your career. And let's be honest, I mean, father uh, time is undefeated. Although LeBron has done it the best, even better than Michael Jordan. Let's say it. I mean, Michael Major. Jordan was not at this stage at his age of his career. Uh, we'll put the whole career in perspective after LeBron. Uh, you know, eventually retires But, you know, uh, like you said You know, uh I think he's comfortable
0: in LA And, uh
1: I don't see him moving for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't. I, I really don't. So let's get to NBA All-Star Weekend. Let's save the game for last. Um, what were your thoughts or what was the highlight from you from maybe Friday with the celebrity game and the rookie, uh, the Rising Stars Challenge, and then last night with the skills and the three-point and the dunking contest you know uh how riveted were you to the tv ernie not not riveted at all even with a vested
1: interest <laughs> with Jalen brown actually going into that uh not enough know,
0: celtics playing
1: yeah not that too i mean even though this so i i mean i'm i'm accustomed to a uh, celtics always being there i mean they've been to what six eastern conference championships uh in the mo- in most recent years so uh they're They've been represented well with both uh, Jalen Brown and, and and Tatum out there. But it, it, the All-Star game is, for me, it's for the casual fan. I mean, the game today pretty much dictated how the players took it. I mean, you got a score in the 200s, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, the slam dunk, in my opinion, was not bad, but... Nothing that I would like go back into years of YouTube. I mean, right before the uh, I'm not YouTube guys, you know. I mean, I went back to watch the original uh, Jordan Dominique. No, not not that far back, but just mostly Levine recently. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon and and the Aaron and two years was it two or three. No, sorry, three or four years ago. Aaron Gordon and Jones. Mm-hmm. And, to, and just to go back to that, if uh, not to bore you guys, but uh, to me. Uh he got robbed twice. Yes. <laughs> yes, twice. he got he got robbed. I mean no disrespect to Levine, but the dunks that Aaron Gordon did, he just had a bad dunk. I don't know why he chose that dunk against Levine, his last dunk, which got three nines. Uh he, I guess he just ran out of material, but he should have won that one and the the one against Jones was, was pathetic. Uh, but in any case, Matt McClung won his second one, and we talked off the air. I mean, you like the fact that it at least added excitement because he's, a, in my opinion, he's a professional dunker,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And, yeah, he's a professional. If, 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 you, if you scour the web, you'll find a lot of professional dunkers out there that would put these NBA guys to shame. You know, they, they're, they are very creative. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, this is the NBA. To have G-leaguers uh, participate in, in this is, uh, in my opinion, uh, not the most ideal. But you get what you can because the stars just aren't there. I mean, yeah. Jalen Brown, for what it's worth, at least he participated. But you need the guys like Ja Morant out there. You need Zion. You know, you need Anthony Edwards. But... I don't know. I guess Eagle, he's just stopped
0: Everyone wants to, worries about, well, injury, anytime you're doing dunks, I guess it's a legitimate concern. But I think they're more concerned about their brand and not not being a winner where it's so different. When we were growing up, it was Jordan, it was Dominique, you know, and they went at each other every year, year after year after year. You had the best do it. So, The dunking contest has really fallen off. I think the last, I mean, other than the Levine Gordon, um, even the Jones Gordon, I think Jones is not a household name. He's a phenomenal dunker with his wiry frame and his 50 inch vertical, but he's not a household name. So it, it goes a while back before you had that. I would even if if the NBA players are not going to put out their best, I would rather see a professional dunking contest of the best dunkers in the world. Invite the top four or top eight and let them put on a show on a global stage. Um, It benefits the dunker. And I think it benefits the NBA because this isn't working from the dunk contest yeah, but, perspective. Yeah. From, I agree with you from, from uh entertainment
1: standpoint, I'm just going to the letter of the law. You cannot call it NBA all star weekend.
0: Yeah, you can't. I mean, maybe you have to, maybe you have to call it something else. Like they already have a celebrity all-star game with right. all kinds of Michael Parsons and Puka Nakua lighting right. it up. I mean, so they already have that incorporated in, into it. Um, But it doesn't look like anytime soon we're going to have all the best dunkers like once upon a time we used to have participate for for whatever reason. So the three point contest, you do have the best of the best that are for the most part participating. Dame wins it again. That's nothing that you're going to worry about getting injured. Um, Trey Young participated. Halliburton participated. It was a good three-point contest. Oh, yeah, had, everybody was like Oh, tied, tied. or tied, right? At, and at this year, I think the worst player still scored over twenty points. Yeah, I mean, you, you needed more than twenty-five points That's, just to advance. Yeah, Larry which Bird,
1: is crazy. Just to put in reference, Larry Bird won one of his uh, three-point competitions.
0: Scoring 17. Yeah. But to Larry Bird's credit, because I heard Reggie Miller make that make that statement. To to Larry Bird's credit, back then, you didn't have one rack where every ball is worth two. Yeah. You didn't have the starry balls that Correct. are worth three. Correct. So 17 points back then means you went 17 out of 25. Right. You know, right so that, that's a pretty good because there's only one Larry Bird when it comes to me, he is the three-point contest. Even if Steph Curry, I believe, is the greatest three-point shooter of all time, Larry Bird got this thing going with three consecutive championships. But, but at least you have marquee names, and All-Star Weekend is about marquee names. So when you have the biggest of the best stars all participating within the three-point shooting contest, there's so much more interest rather than. Not even Obi Toppin, his younger brother. Yeah. And then Jalen Brown, to his credit, like we said, he participated. Ernie is a huge Celtic fan, so he shared the reason he participated was to use the platform to... uh, Bring awareness. Bring awareness to certain causes and people that he found interesting. But even for that, I commend him for that. Because all these NBA players that are sitting out for personal reasons that are more grandiose in nature i think he was using it saying i'm going to put myself out there because it's more important for me to bring awareness to these things as it is for me to worry about losing to matt mcclung or anyone else so um but for me the most exciting part of the whole weekend was the rising stars thing on on friday i thought it was a neat idea they had four teams And first to 40 in the first round and then first to 25 in the second round, uh, you used some of your best players and they had one team comprised of G League -League, players. And that's where I think it really worked because the NBA rookies and and sophomores, um, they were kind of playing at a little bit higher level than the real All-Star game. But when they had to play the G League guys... And against the favorite Victor, Wemba Yama team, those guys are playing hard. Those guys were trying because this is their opportunity to make a name for themselves and try to get interest and try to parlay this into into a successful thing. So I thought it elevated the level of play, the level of competitiveness. You almost saw a fight between Matherin and Jaden Ivey in the middle of (laughs) in the middle of the game. Um, so I, I enjoyed that because it was competitive. It was a tournament. You had two winners. They played again right after. Uh, for me, that was the best thing of the weekend, including Steph. Including Steph's uh, Iniasco. I mean, okay. I love Sabrina uh, because she was so tight with Kobe Bryant. I mean, she was at his funeral. They were really, really tight. So I've always been a fan of hers. And, and, I, and I'm going to talk in my closing thought a lot about women's basketball. But I just don't like the idea of, of men and women competing. To her credit, she insisted on shooting from the men's three-point line, um, which I have tremendous respect for. Because they're already playing with a smaller ball. Yeah. So if she plays with a smaller ball and at a closer line, Is that really, I know you're trying to generate best female shooter, best male shooter, you're trying to generate interest, but to me, it worked in this regard because she was willing to shoot from the same distance. Um, Anything less than that would have made it a complete farce in my opinion, and she put up 26. Yeah. You know, she would have she would have quali- qualified. qualified for the for the NBA. Three she point put up twenty six points. So I thought that was interest, but I think that's manufactured interest. Like I don't wanna see Steph Curry in the WNBA All-Star Weekend. I, I don't. That's their showcase. But I think the NBA is force feeding uh some kind of women participation in the in the NBA. Um So yeah, I I agree. I I I, I like her, um, but I just I didn't need that in this in this setting.
1: Yeah, I I I, here's the thing. I like the drama for her going first, scoring that twenty six. I really thought and knowing that on the guy's side that twenty six was the threshold. uh, You know, on that day for Curry to come back, ice and shoot twenty nine. you know, that's basically two shots, and, he, and he, he, he would have lost. Yeah. I mean, his last, he's, it's fortunate his last rack was his, was the, the, you know, the money ball rack. But you know what?
0: I, in my mind, when she had the 26, I thought he was going to just not lose on purpose, but kind, kind of, of throw it. Because I think that's what the NBA was hoping for. Or else, why do this? Right, they certainly didn't want her to be humiliated. Like if she put up a twelve and Curry put up twenty nine, they didn't want that. But once she had the twenty six, I thought, oh, is Curry gonna be like, let me get to twenty twenty one, and then and then lose. But he's too competitive. No, he's too competitive. <laughs> yeah, Curry would. And he, it and he went ahead and won. So she showed herself well. She gets major props for not settling. saying, no way! I'm going to shoot at yeah. their at their distance. I, I, I found that
1: to to be the most intriguing part of you know.
0: Then to, to if that's the case and to the NBA's credit, it worked. It it worked this
1: year. Like what you were mentioning, I don't know if this is if this is good. She mentioned that she wants to do it next year. Who knows if she's even going to be participating with one person that you're going to probably be talking about a little bit later yeah. in this podcast. But, you know, at least for this year, at this All-Star Game, that,
0: to me, was the most interesting part. All right. So what was your most interesting part about... It's certainly not the game. No. At 211 to 186... And that's just ridiculous. No, the funniest, the funniest thing that
1: the most interesting part of the the game itself was uh, Jokic trying to dunk
0: <laughs> at, the, at the very end of the game. I didn't realize he can't dunk. He can't dunk. I mean, I swear he dunked in a game before, but I guess not. But to his credit, he is never afraid of laughing at himself. No. He does not take himself seriously no. at all, and he, I love that. Yeah, the, on you on know, that. he
1: knows he's revered as one of the best. If not the best player in today's game. So, yeah, that attitude is terrific.
0: All right, let's transition to the NFL. Um, Not a lot to talk about. I thought Steve Wilkes fired by the San Francisco 49ers as their defensive coordinator was the fall guy. There always has to be a fall guy in things. Uh, So one season for Steve Wilkes and he got packed and sent on his way. Let's see where he lands. And then, of course, Ernie, the, the low light. Was supposed to be a highlight as one million people gather to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs' third Super Bowl in the last four years. At the conclusion, uh, a shooting breaks out with juveniles. Uh, Twenty-two people get shot, one fa- uh, fatal. Yeah. Uh, Eleven of those injured were children, between the ages of seven and sixteen. Um, You take a wonderful event and it's marred like this. It it just makes you wonder, are these parades gonna continue to happen? Because there's no way you can prevent a million people from not having a weapon. Or if, if somebody's intent on doing something, it's very, very difficult. Even with 800 police officers around and tackling them pretty quickly, Twenty-two people were still hit, so that that really marred for me the Super Bowl parade, and I'm sure it destroyed it for for the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. I, and to me, it's don't. I mean, hate to get political. I mean, about this, but it's the laws. I think I don't think there's enough deterrent. I think in public events like this, where you can the just basically the potential. If you bring in, uh, just the threat, like crying uh yelling fire in a crowded theater i think that's a big offense even though you have no one you know you don't have anything i think that has to be brought forth to these types of events and 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 everybody who's attending these events has to know the consequences to at least deter it a little bit i mean it would be one thing if this was a terrorist group trying to do something but these
0: were minors. Mm-hmm. And, and, not, think, and Yeah, I think that's the thing, too. Because they're juveniles, we may not ever hear exactly what happened or why it happened because you can't, right? These are juveniles. So none of that information, who they are, is not even going to be made public.
1: Exactly. But the thing is, is terrorist groups are few and far between. You got... Juvenile, dumb juvenile minors in every city of every NFL team in multiple counts. I think that that's the part. You got uh, testosterone driven kids who, you know, you say one thing wrong and, you know, they, they pull out a gun. Or if you're from one rival gang to another rival gang at one of these events... Something can go wrong. I mean, I hate to bring up the past. I was at a Christmas Eve mass one time, maybe 12 years ago, and somebody came in church at Christmas Eve and pulled out a gun, and it was gang related. And I, uh, I know it just brought when I when I hear about these kind of things, it, I, I just hearken back to why. Uh, you know, what's deterring these guys? I mean, it's just, I I, I hate to be political again. So it's got to be harder. It's got to be harder where they know the consequences that if things like this happens, uh, there's going to be hell to pay. Because right now, I don't think think it's, the laws that are set up right now, especially for uh, the younger kids, and I'm not saying let's punish them all You know, but in these large cases uh, where you can potentially hurt dozens of people like it was in this case, it needs to be a lot tougher.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was a tragedy. And the Kansas City Chiefs responded by visiting these kids in the hospital and doing things. And, of course, Taylor Swift stepped up with a hundred thousand dollar donation to the family of the the deceased uh, who was a disc jockey with two young children. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that that's a that was a sad, sad day for not only the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs, but for everyone. So let's transition real quick to something a little bit more positive, at least in Ernie's case. All the chatter and all the talk about Justin Fields being linked potentially to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You had mentioned a few weeks back the Russell Wilson uh, potential. Um, your thoughts on Justin Fields possibly coming to Pittsburgh to compete against Kenny Pickett? I think it's gonna. I think
1: it's more likely. Uh, a couple weeks back, I would thought okay, okay, maybe. It's getting more real now. I think with the chatter of Tom actually coming out and basically saying I like that guy, I've been tracking that guy from college days, that it seems like it's going to happen uh, they definitely are at a cap space uh, well potential cap space right now they are over the cap but you know, two or three cuts here and there uh, uh, with existing people on their roster right now can easily free up enough cap room to bring in Justin Fields I would think that it would be good. I just don't know if it would fit. Let's just say I don't think it brings them over the top to being Super Bowl contender. I really think with the new offense, uh, the new offensive coordinator coming in with that running style fits him. I, I've always been a, uh, a slight critic of uh, Justin Fields, more or less the Ohio State. Quarterbacks in general other than this year, you know, uh, but I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's a probability. I just have to see it for it. Give me a... If he does come up, uh, to on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, Give me five games in order to evaluate it.
0: That's fair enough. So I think for me, if I'm Justin Fields, I guess the allure, if if the Bears are going to commit to Caleb Williams, which they have to do to me, um, then it becomes the situation in Pittsburgh would certainly be better. But if I'm Justin Fields, I wouldn't want to go to Pittsburgh. Not right now, because one, there's no guarantee you're the starter. They still have Kenny Pickett. It would have to be a competition for him to to be a starter. Secondly, he's going from one defensive coach to another defensive coach. Uh, and Pittsburgh just hired Arthur Smith, who is a very conservative offensive coordinator which fits perfectly with the Steelers and what Mike Tomlin likes right Arthur Smith had Derek Henry in Tennessee you saw his priorities by having Algier and still getting Bijan Robinson uh, last year with the Falcons he loves the power running so Justin Fields does he fit there is he going to develop there I don't know But it's the brand, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler brand, which I think is, is good for Justin Fields. But if I'm Justin Fields, I would rather go to the Falcons, who only have Desmond Ritter. He's from the Georgia area. You know, he went to Georgia before transferring to Ohio State. I think that's probably a better fit, although they have Raheem Morris, the Rams former defensive coordinator, so still a defensive coach. I would love Justin Fields to go somewhere where he has an offensive-minded coach because he's been in the league for three years now. His passing ability has not really gotten better. You know, when he has a tremendous game, you alluded to this off the air, it's his legs. He'll yeah. run for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. And, you know, that that's that's not going to win you a super bowl. No. You know, that you have to be able to throw as Lamar Jackson is is finding out. So, there's probably a better fit for Justin Fields, but for the Steelers, I get it. At this point in time, they cut Trubisky If they wanted Mason Rudolph to be their quarterback, he would have been their quarterback for the last three, four years. So clearly he's not their answer permanently. So bringing in Fields and making him and Pickett compete head to head could bring out the best in both of them or at least one of them. So from the Steelers perspective, it's worth the risk. I mean, you're going to have to give up a two probably. Is a second round draft pick worth the risk of potentially upgrading at the quarterback? I would think so. So from the Steelers perspective, I would rather go the Justin Fields route. Than the Russell Wilson route with all that dollars tied up in his contract and his age. So I get it from the Steelers standpoint. I'm not sure I get it from the from the Justin Fields standpoint, but from the Steelers standpoint, I don't see a real downside. If he doesn't work out for them and pay Pickett beats him out, then you just let him go next year. And you know, so there's really no downside.
1: Yeah, I mean that second pick is a second pick. I mean, uh, that contract for Russell Wilson. Only becomes active the, the following year. I think most of that money is actually taken up by the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. They'll get them at the veteran minimum, which is $1.7 million. That's the total cost. But the following year... But well, that's
0: only if he's cut.
1: Yeah. If, like he's if cut. they
0: trade for him, or, oh, they, there, or there, if they have to. There's no way. Right. So they, they would have to hope that he actually yeah. does get cut and then they can pounce on him yeah, for, there's, for there, the
1: minimum. Yeah, there is no way the Steelers or
0: anyone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. There's no way that they trade for him. But that's not. but <clears throat> you know, there is hope. My hope is that they get Wilson uh and he does good enough and Pickett actually learns that one year uh you know behind him behind him and cuz Pick- to me pickett was uh, basically uh, a part of Canada's system and i think he, we saw his best game even though he didn't score a lot of points was the very next game after Canada was wow. let go yeah. that was his best game uh i i i i think if he uh you know, uh, continues on that path that he can become uh, a decent NFL quarterback. I mean, uh, we've all seen it. I mean, he the Steelers struggle the, you know, the first three quarters and the fourth quarter when they're under desperate times. He plays well and they open it up. Yeah, and that's that's what I see in Pickett. If you just if you just take Pickett's numbers from the fourth quarter. He's an excellent quarterback. He's an excellent quarterback. So I, I, I believe in Pickett. I don't know if I believe him next year for next year, but I think one year under a Russell Wilson type of uh, system, I would go that way. I just don't feel that. I, I, I can't. I, I like Justin Fields more than I did earlier in the year. You know, but you still have your doubts. I,
0: st- I, I still have my doubts. What about Zach Wilson? No, I'd rather, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Okay, so I know it's early, we just finished the season. But your early thoughts on if I asked you right now, throw out the top of your head the Super Bowl matchup for next year, who do you have from the AFC playing my Rams? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> The, I didn't know this was fantasy football. <laughs>
1: no the Rams in my opinion all, all kidding aside, the Rams have a legitimate shot. they have cap space this year. they can bring in some quality people. Uh, I think they found depth pieces you know in the personnel that they brought in this year and if uh, you know if they can stay healthy, they gotta they, they, they can they have a serious shot and all the, and everything depends upon do I think they got the best roster no but I do believe in the fact that there's a lot of teams that, uh, didn't go the, things that didn't go the Rams way and that could happen to the top teams like the San Francisco 49ers if they went through the injuries that the Rams went through several years ago where they lost like everybody uh, they can definitely be a major player now on a realistic standpoint The San Francisco 49ers aren't going anywhere. They are pissed. I mean, and they're not going to lose anybody. When you got a quarterback like Brock Purdy, basically making, if he's not the cheapest, lowest paid player on that roster, he's close to it. I mean, which gives them a lot of playroom. I believe they're right at the cap limit without cutting anybody. So they're not losing anybody major. They can actually bring on... Collect the pieces to make them even a little bit better if they want to uh so i don't see them getting uh going anywhere and i believe with that attitude and the w- just the way that they lost the super bowl that they're going to be fired up more more this year and i believe i'd be surprised if they don't represent uh the nfc next year in my opinion I think the hot money is on the Super Bowl champions this year, especially being that they are $30 million under the cap and they can bring up a lot of players. Three is tough. And in my opinion, as much as I hate to say it, the Baltimore Ravens should have been undefeated this year all the way to the Super Bowl, to tell you the truth. I mean, the way that they lost those games, they dominated the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. They just didn't put up points. They had 200-something yards of offense in that second half, and just it would, just wasn't enough to overcome the deficit that they had. To me, they should have been the Super Bowl rep- representative. I think they have, been, and they beat the San Francisco 49ers in the regular season. Not close. They are very handily going to the San Francisco 49ers. I like them to represent. I don't like them. I feel that they are, with the same motivation as San Francisco, I believe they are on a mission to repeat, I mean, to
0: to be next year. To finally get there. Yeah. Okay, so for me, I'm going to stick with my pick for this year that went awry. I'm going to go back to the Cincinnati Cincinnati. Bengals. I believe Joe Burrow will come back healthy. They have $61 million in cap space. So they can decide if they want to keep T Higgins or some other other parts. I like the Cincinnati Bengals because I think Joe Burrow is the only person other than Tom Brady who has shown he can beat Patrick Mahomes. And he's done that a number of times. He is the kryptonite (laughs) to to some extent to Patrick Mahomes. In the NFC, my head tells me I have to go with the 49ers because you're absolutely right. The only question is Brandon Ayuk. um, Do they bring him back because he may want to be traded? Because I don't think right now they're going to pay him $25 million. Uh, I don't think they can. I think they're going to try to figure out a way to run this back one more year with all of these fat contracts before they, they kick in. Um, they are neutral in cap space, so they don't have to do anything. They technically can bring everyone back. Um, so you would think that they're the favorite because you already picked them. My head tells me it should be the 49ers. I'm going to go in a different direction. Um I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. Wow. I think the Detroit Lions are a young, up-and-coming team. I expect their defense to be better. They do have some cap space as well. They are right there... Uh with the yeah. eighth most cap space with forty-eight 40 million. million dollars. Yeah. They have a dominant line. Their running back situation gives is gonna be better. Their wide receiver room is solid. Uh Laporta is gonna be better. It's all about that defense. And I thought that defense started to play better as the year went on. They should have beat the 49ers. They shouldn't have beat the Rams. You're right. But they should have beat the Dude, 49ers. Be yeah. Um The only thing is, I think Green Bay has shown that they're going to take another leap as well. And they're in the same division. I think the Bears are going to be better with the amount of cap space they have and the number one pick. I think their division is going to be harder. So they may not be able to go 12 and 5, meaning they may have to go the Kansas City Chief route. Winning a bunch of road games to get to the Super Bowl. But I like their roster. Um, I thought they showed well in the playoffs for the first time. It is I still think San Francisco's the better team. I still hope my Rams mm-hmm. are, are gonna be better. Um, but I'll go Detroit. So I'll go Detroit and Cincinnati. You go Ravens and uh 49ers. You're probably closer than me, but I like your picks though. That's the that's can we anybody be wrong when you're guessing on February the nineteenth yeah, for the think. following year? Well, we'll we, just, we don't even know who they're gonna draft and who's gonna remain and what yeah. kind of trades. But for right now, it's never too early to spit out something, right? Yeah, no, no, no receipts on on these picks right now. I
1: mean, we're we're probably gonna change it uh when we do our nfl preview uh
0: several months from now we'll probably change it after the draft and then when we do the preview <laughs> after that so all right gang so i'm going to transition again that's ernie I, Monty. we are the sports rivals and before i get into my closing thought a reminder the hawaii sports radio network is our partners they do an amazing job on their own on 760 a.m 95.1 fm kule and paul breck weekday mornings on wake up in the den and they just do so much covering local sports whether it be at at the collegiate level with HPU and Chaminade or at the high school level with OIA Sports. Another remarkable uh, week of constantly covering games. They do an amazing job, and we want to thank them. Again, you can hear our podcast on hiradio.com. H-I Now I'm going to transition to my closing thought. And I alluded to this earlier. I'm going to talk a lot about women's basketball or specifically one person in general. And that's Caitlin Clark, who earlier this week set the women's record, um, with a 40 footer <laughs> from the logo. Um, but I'm going to take it. I'm not going to debate whether she's the greatest women's basketball player of all time. It's way too early to do that, right? She's still, in college like and junior. there are places like Diana Tarazi and Cheryl Swoops and Shamika Holdsclaw and Lisa Leslie that have played for 15 20 years in some regards um, Cheryl Miller those types in way back in the day the women's game now versus Cheryl Miller's time is night and day back then there were like 10 good teams the first round of the NCAA tournament would be 80 point victories so there wasn't as widespread an interest. So I'm not going to debate that. What I am going to tell you is Caitlin Clark right now is the number one attraction in college sports, male or female. Not No other athlete has had the impact that Caitlin Clark has had from a business perspective as well as an interest perspective. So Ernie, I got a series of statistics here in regards to, to Caitlin Clark. So bear with me first division one player to top 3000 points, one 1000 assists and 800 rebounds right now. She leads the nation in scoring and assists. Mm -hmm. And I'm more impressed with her passing than her shooting. She has 59 career games with at least 25 points, five rebounds and five assists. That's the personal statistics. Here's the business part. Before the 23-24 season even started, Iowa broke the women's basketball all-time attendance record for a game with 55,600 people on hand for an exhibition in an outdoor stadium. 17 of Iowa's women's basketball's 19 all-time sellouts have been over the last three years with her. Away from Iowa, the Hawkeyes have helped sell out or break an attendance record in 30 of the 32 games they've played this year. The only time that they didn't set a record was on a neutral court in the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida. She has sold out every single opposing arena this year, including places like Northwestern that averages (laughs) 1,400 people a game. She sells it out. On average, schools that have hosted Iowa has seen their attendance increase over 150% compared to any other home game. I got a lot of data here. Right? <laughs> this season, Iowa faced sold-out road crowds at Northern Iowa, first time in their school history, Iowa State, Wisconsin, program attendance record, Rutgers, first sellout since 2006, Purdue, fourth sellout in the history of their program, Ohio State, Northwestern, first time in program history, Maryland, first time since 2016, and Nebraska, first time in program history. Vivid Seats data uh, released data recently showing that the top five most in-demand women's games this year have featured Iowa. Price tickets, price of tickets for the Hawkeye games since Clark joined the team in in twenty twenty two is up by two hundred and twenty four percent. Last year's national championship game, which featured a star-studded LSU squad and Clark. Drew an average viewership of 10 million viewers, representing a 103% increase from 2022. This year, Iowa has played games on NBC, Fox, and ESPN. An overtime loss at Ohio State on NBC averaged almost 2 million viewers across the network and Peacock, peaking at 4 million during overtime. It was the most watched regular season women's game in the history of the sport. Now, NBC, anytime they have her on NBC, her record-breaking performance this week was not shown on regular TV. It was only shown on Peacock. So NBC Peacock is leveraging her to try to get people to subscribe to Peacock just to watch her play. There is no doubt that she should be making significantly more than the $818,000 in NIL because she's generating... The amount of profits she's driving for everyone, wherever she goes, I've not seen that in a college sport since I don't know when. Even Jordan was just one of the guys at North Carolina. There has not been one dominant person that is must-see TV or must-see, I gotta go buy a ticket to watch one person play. I, I don't remember the last one. Honestly, male or female. She is crazy and the amount of money she's going to produce for women's sports going forward when the contract comes for the NCA with these results that they're getting ESPN is going to have to pony up Fox is going to have to pony up She's going to be generating so much more money. So I wanted to give her her props because whether you think she's the greatest female basketball player of all time, it's too early. She's clearly the greatest female basketball player at the collegiate level in history to me. And if you watch her play, you can see how cerebral she is. Her past, She's more Pistol Pete Maravich than she is any one of those people. It's not like she's not as... Flamboyant, but her passing is unbelievable and her range is Steph Curry like. But she's much, much, must see TV, and I think she handles herself with some grace. That's a tremendous amount of pressure. And she learned, I think, from last year when she was going back and forth with LSU with the, with the shenanigans right. and all those kinds of things. She, I, I've watched her a number of times. Ernie, I don't watch the NBA. I find her games and I watch it. Wow. And because I have so much fun watching her play. It's it's just, it, it, is, it is what it is. I'm not watching the men's basketball because Michigan sucks, although Gonzaga's making a run now. Maybe we'll be talking <laughs> about that. I still watch Gonzaga games if they're on TV, but I watch her. And I think that's powerful when a person that generally does not care a whole lot about women's basketball, never really did, is purposefully watching them, her, over the Lakers. Um, People would think I'm smoking crack, but that's, that's the reality. And if you watch her games, I think if you're a parent of a daughter, Mm -hmm. I think what's really inspirational is how many kids are there. You know how many girls that are going to grow up now to want to be Caitlin Clark, that want to be basketball players, that maybe were looking at other sports? Um, There are so many girls there that are – we all know what a Swifty is, but there's – in the sports world, there's something called a Clarksy that these girls are calling themselves now, and she's making a tremendous impact. So I want to give her props, not only for being a tremendous player, but handling all of this superstardom and the burden of carrying an entire sport by herself. and. Using that to leverage success for all of the programs that are watching her play. So that was a lot of data. That was the CPA in me speeding out data. That was that was. I But, but I wanted to share. Worth. I wanted to share that with you. So your your thoughts on that? Yeah, I
1: believe she's a tremendous. I mean, I'm I'm not out there like you, but you know, she definitely uh, falls into the uh, my, my YouTube algorithm. I I see a lot of her highlights out of there. You know, just based upon you know the type of. Uh, You know, content that I watch on on, on YouTube. She's so I don't miss any part of that. Uh, Yeah. And I had to think back uh, when you mentioned the most, uh, I guess, influential college athlete out there. I got to go back. I mean, here's how far I got to go back. The last one that I can remember that had this much uh, fanfare was Patrick Ewing. And that's going back a while and Patrick Ewing, when he played for Georgetown, and it's only because he built up his reputation over there. He, he wasn't a one-in-done player, and Georgetown was so dominant during his time. That really is, I, I, and that's saying a lot because that's going back several. To 1980s. <laughs> yes, that's going back a while. But yeah, you're you're right. You're right. And if she continues to do that, great, great. If if she can propel the sport of women's basketball, I mean, the women's basketball in the United States is already the best in the world, in in my opinion, is, as shown by the you know their success in the Olympics and whatnot. Uh, this will solidify it, like you said. This uh, she'll be the trailblazer uh, that separates, you know, you know. In my opinion, because I don't watch the the uh, w- the women's NBA. game. The only time I watch the women's game is during the Olympics. That's important mm-hmm. for me. So uh, I, I, I look I look to, I look to that side of the sports, and I I think they they're gonna have a clamp on that for for at least several decades. Because the kids right now who are watching her are about ten years old and above. I mean, so that's gonna inspire a lot of uh, you know play out there, you know, and whatnot that's good for at least a half a generation. So great on you,
0: Caitlin. And she's a senior, but she has her COVID oh, she's year. She's a senior. Yeah. So she can oh, come back. Yeah, I knew she had another year. Yeah, she can come back if she wants to come back and it's remains to be seen. I mean, Ernie made the point. She probably makes more because the most you make in the WNBA is $250,000. Yeah. Now I was most of Caitlin Clark's NIL money is coming from Gatorade and Nike. So that could translate and follow, but The WNBA season is so short because it has to be after the NBA season and finish before the NBA season that most of the stars in basketball remember Brittany Griner getting caught and stuck in Russia. That's because she was playing there because that's where these women players make most of their money is in foreign countries with longer seasons. So it remains to be seen. I mean, I'm sure the NCAA. And everybody in the Big Ten is praying that she comes back for another year because that would be – that would like be like rock star status for another year. But I don't think – the thing with Caitlin Clark is I don't think this is going to translate in a national championship. I mean last year she carried them all the way to the championship game and then they were overwhelmed by an LSU team that had just more depth. Um, If she has to play against a South Carolina who is dominant right now – you know you know there it's going to be very very difficult i think for her to take this team which is not quite as good as last year's team all the way to a national championship i'm not saying it's impossible but if you're going to you're going to measure her specifically by championships Um, That's probably unrealistic because I I just don't think she's on a team strong enough. But she decided to stay in Iowa because she's born and raised in Iowa and she wanted to play collegiately in her home state. And she's raised them up to this national powerhouse. I just don't know if they're on the level of South
1: Carolina. Yeah, In my opinion, I'm I'm going to do some projections here just based upon what I think. I think she's going to be speaking another language this time next year. I think there's some European country out there. I mean, basketball is national. Not like football. Basketball actually is... I think their women's league was better than our women's league uh, a number of years before. They had professional leagues out there. Kobe Bryant uh, basically said that uh, when his father went uh, when he was... uh, His father was uh, playing basketball overseas that he went to see some, uh, some women's uh games over there so i believe that she leaves this year i believe her marketability extends past the united states shores and she's going to be making millions
0: yeah so congratulations Kate and clark you have done a tremendous amount for college sports in general uh, but i just wanted to give her a shout out and just say I call a spade a spade, and for me, she is the number one collegiate athlete. Bronny makes six million dollars a year in NIL money. Caitlin Clark dwarfs him in terms of Easy. Uh, In terms of the economic impact that she is making on the league. Not only economically, but just the interest that she's generating. They can't sell out USC games um, <laughs> because they're 10 and 13, and he's not playing He'll on granted. Yeah. He's recovering, but still. Uh, $4 million for Colorado football players and and football players are making all the money. No one is single-handedly doing what she's doing. So congratulations, Caitlin. I agree. All right, anything else, Ernie? I'm good. Again, a reminder. Check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IGN, Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and then at dot hisportsradio.com. And until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcast on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.